Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Preaching on. I said, well, I'm actually pre- preaching on a light bulb. <laughs> so, very, very different. But you know, I think of God and how great he is and how big he is. And, do you know, Thomas Edison, he wasn't the only guy that tried to figure out how to make a light globe, by the way. There's other guys that tried before him. And he failed about a thousand times before he actually got it to work. A thousand attempts. And then I think of God and God goes, hmm, let there be light. Boom. Light. Instantaneously. Light. And he loved it so much he called the daylight. That's what he called it. That was the first thing that God did was create light. Light is important to God and it's important to us. And I thought about a light bulb and how often we go, hmm, that was a light bulb moment. Or we might have a aha moment. The difference between a light bulb moment and a aha moment is this. Aha means I got it. I get it. I understand it. A light bulb moment comes often and we go, that's a great idea, but no follow through. No one does anything with it. And God also comes along and speaks to us and often we go, and then do nothing with it. But God wants to come and give us an aha moment so that it sticks with us. God is not just into giving us a light bulb moment. He does more than that. He wants to converse with us. And I was thinking about how Paul, who was called Saul, was on the road to Damascus. And if you don't know too much about him, he was a very well-versed, very well-educated man. He would have known the Hebrew and the Greek scriptures in the Old Testament. He was a Pharisee. And he believed that Jesus Christ was a fake. And anybody that followed him needed to be put to death. He hated the church of God. Even though he knew everything there was to know, he was a religious man. And we can have religion without God. We can know all that stuff but not have God. And the one thing that was missing in his life was Jesus Christ. That's what was missing was an encounter with God. And as we know, as he was on the road to Damascus, it says this, that suddenly a light, I love how God uses a light, a light shone around him. And he says to him, And he falls to the ground and he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What are you doing? What are you up to? 
Don't you know who I am? And often sometimes we don't realize who Jesus is for us sometimes. We get caught up in everything else that's happening around our lives. But he says to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? Why did he say, who are you, Lord? He knew there was a presence in that light. There was a presence. And when God speaks, he brings a presence to us. This morning, as we're worshipping God, there is a presence. There's an almighty presence of God that wants to come and touch us. God is not interested in giving us a religious experience. He doesn't want to do that. He says, I want to capture your attention. I want to capture your heart. I want to capture your mind. I want to make you mine. That's what he wants from us. And he says this, Jesus says to him, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. I go, what's a goad? What's a goad? So I looked up, what is a goad? A goad is a little bit like, it's like a spear actually. It's a long pole. And on the end of it is a sharp piece of iron. And as the ox is going along and they're plowing, this goad keeps at the ox. And if the ox starts to kick back, it pierces the ox. And I think how often is that us? How often do we kick against what God is wanting to do in our lives? But God, I want to go this way. And God's going, no, I want you to go that way. And sometimes God will put things there to make us trip over to get us back to him. And we kick against God. And to the point he was so overtaken, it says that he trembled. Who wouldn't tremble? When you have an encounter with God, something happens that is so supernatural, so powerful, it rendered the man useless. The man was blinded literally for three days. Now, like you, I've been driving in my car, yeah? And you know, depending what time the sun is going down, it is blinding. Even with your best sunnies on, even when you're most expensive, it is hard to see to the point you can run off the road. And sometimes you might even have to pull over because it's that bad, depending on what time of day with that sun. But this light was so, so powerful, so amazing that it shook his very being to the point his eyesight failed. But see, God wants to give us a living encounter with him. It was a personal encounter. And I'll tell you why it was a personal encounter. Because the men around him didn't see the light. They heard the sound, but they didn't see the light. It was a personal one-on-one encounter with the living Christ. And he comes to you and I and he gives us a one-on-one personal living encounter. He loves us so much that he wants to grab our attention. You see, for him being called an ox... That wasn't a nice thing for Jesus to compare Saul to being an ox. He sat at the top of the Pharisee religious ladder in Jerusalem. He was a high up guy. But God wanted to do something with Saul. And he says this in response, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? 
And God comes to us at different times in our lives and he gets our attention and our response should be, God, what do you want me to do? Instead of running away when God is trying to desperately get our attention. You see, he was a very prominent man. He was born a Jew, but he was also a citizen of Rome. He was a well-educated man. He was dangerous. In fact, he was a headhunter. We can make a movie out of him being a headhunter. He was a murderer, and he wasn't the nicest person to meet because he was breathing murderous threats. He was the one that stood there as they grabbed hold of Stephen, and they ripped clothes off Stephen, and they laid it at Saul's feet, and he went, yep, let's get on with it. He was an executor. He was far from God, but religious and needed an encounter with Jesus Christ. You see, he was stumbling around in the dark. He didn't know who this Jesus was. But you know, when he encountered Jesus, he just didn't have a light bulb moment. He had a permanent encounter. It was so permanent that he became one of the greatest missionaries, wrote the most books in the New Testament, and he was a teacher of the Word of God. And he knew that he was nothing except for Jesus Christ. He was nothing except for that cross where Jesus had died. You know, we can all stumble around in the natural, can't we? At home, when you get out of bed and it's dark and you're like, man, where's that light switch? And you think it's there, but it's actually moved during the night. Have you found that? I found that mine moves. I'm going, I'm sure it's here. (laughs) And I think the other night, I nearly found myself walking in the closet. You know, sometimes, and that's what it can be like, spiritually stumbling around in the dark. Just hoping everything's going to work out. But God doesn't want us to live like that. He wants us to have a permanent light bulb experience with him. See, the word of God comes to illuminate our lives, for his light to shine in and bring the truth that we so desperately need. I love this, how it says in John chapter 1, in the passion, passion, I love the passion, It says this about him. Life came into being because of him. For his life is light for all humanity. And this living expression is the light that bursts through gloom. The light that darkness cannot diminish. There's no darkness in this earth can put out the light of God. Nothing. Nothing at all. It doesn't matter what people may throw throw at us. It doesn't matter what other people believe. They cannot extinguish the truth, cannot extinguish the word of God. This light, this permanent light, which is Jesus himself. You know, we forget just how big our God is. And that's why I wanted to talk about just at the beginning about the light bulb, how it took, um, what's he called so long to make the light bulb, where Jesus just speaks it out and bang, the light's there. I reckon it would have taken him, how long does it say, let there be light, less than half a second, something like that. 
You know, we forget how big God is. Absolutely forget how big he is. And we have these little light bulb moments about how big God is. And then we forget. We do. Because something's happened and we forgot. We forgot what he's like, how big he is. You know, and I thought, if God could just say that, you know, I'd have trouble just trying to make a cloud out of craft paper, you know, where God goes, let there be clouds. You know, God is in control of everything, absolutely everything. You know, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, the disciples were on the way to Emmaus, a couple of disciples. And as they're walking along, Jesus, I don't know how he does it, but he kind of just came in alongside of them and just starts to chat with them. And he says, why are you so sad? What's going on? And they go, are you serious? Don't you know? Where have you been? It's all over Facebook. It's all over Instagram. It's all over Twitter. Don't you know? He's going, know what? Well, you know, this thing that happened in Jerusalem and, and this Jesus, he, he, was, he was a great man, by the way. He was approved by God. Like, God liked him and, and he was a great man. And, well, they, they killed him and they put him in a tomb and, and, and now his body's gone. No one knows. No one knows what's going on. And yet, you know, we, we believed in him. but And he starts to walk with them and he, He's talking with them and listening to what they're saying. He goes, don't you get it? Don't you, don't you understand? Are you so slow of heart? Don't you understand that these things had to happen? Don't you understand that that death had to happen? The resurrection had to happen? And they're listening to him as he's talking to them along the way and as they get to the end of the journey which is about a seven mile walk like walking from here to Nelson Bay it'd be great having a conversation that long with Jesus wouldn't it they say to him look why don't you come and have a bite with us come come and have some supper with us he's like all right so he does he goes in and he sits down with them and I just love what happens he says here as he sat down with them, here's what happened. I brought my lunch, not really. Didn't really bring my lunch. But this is what happens, okay? He's having supper with them. And suddenly, he takes the bread. He blesses it. And he breaks it. The moment he breaks it, it says this. He says, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. It took the breaking of the bread. This is Jesus. This is he. They had... More than a light bulb moment. They had a permanent 
light bulb went on. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior. This is the risen one. This is not just a good man that God approved. This is he. And they were so excited, they ran back to find the other disciples. It took the breaking of the bread. And God comes to us at different times in our lives. He goes, are you watching? Are you watching? I want to show you who I am. I want to show you that I can turn that thing around. I love you. Just as you are, you don't need to get better or gooder. There's no such word as gooder, my mum used to say. But we come just as we are. That simple. If anybody would like that after, it says. <laughs> but I love how Jesus talks about light. I love it. And I think of the two thieves that are on the cross. And they're both thieves, murderers, thugs, however you want to call them. And there they are hanging between heaven and earth. They're dying. And one thief, he says to Jesus, if you're the Christ, save yourself. Save yourself. If you think you're who you are, save, save yourself. It's interesting how some people still believe Jesus was just a good man that died on a cross. And that's all he believed he was. But the second one that was also dying, here's Jesus in between. And the second one rebukes the other one. And he says, don't you even fear God? Don't you fear him? This man has done nothing wrong. Absolutely nothing. He says, we deserve to die, but he doesn't deserve to die. Here's Jesus in excruciating pain listening to a conversation between two thieves. I want you to know Jesus is listening into your conversation all the time. Because the feast says to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Why does he say that? Why does he say, remember me when you come into your kingdom? Because that thief had a permanent light bulb experience. He knew that was the saviour, that was the Messiah dying for him that had done no wrong. He's not just a good man. He's the saviour of the world. You see, the hourglass for both of those thieves was running away. We have an unseen hourglass. You cannot see it, but it exists. And all of us have an appointment with God. Everybody has their time when you stand before God. And what have we done with this Jesus? What have we done with this Savior of the world? What have we done with the truth that he gives us? What have we done with the light of the knowledge that he's given to us? Because we will have to answer. Philip, the evangelist. And the reason I bring this in, Philip was an amazing evangelist, but God took him one day next to a guy who's in his chariot and he was known as a eunuch, uh, a very, he looked after the treasuries and the wealth 
of, uh, of, of, of a kingdom. And he was reading the book of Isaiah very loud when Philip came alongside of him. And Philip says to him, do you know what you're reading about? He goes, well, I'm not really sure. I don't really know what I'm reading about. And he was reading out of Isaiah where Jesus was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And he said, I'm not, I don't understand if the prophet is talking about himself or is he talking about someone else. And he says, I will tell you. And so he climbs up on the chariot and he explains to him simply about this Jesus. Simply about who he was and why he was in the Old Testament. He brought understanding to him. Simple understanding. You know, the gospel is not complicated. It is simple to understand. He says, unless you become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It's that simple. It takes simple faith to come to Christ. And as he explained the scripture, the eunuch said this, can I be baptized now? You see, the guy was having more than a light bulb moment. He said, I want to be baptized now. Is there anything to prevent that from happening? Absolutely not, says Philip. Let's do it now. Do you know, is there something that is preventing us from coming to Christ? Is there something preventing us that's not hearing what he wants to do in our lives? You know, we we use lots of excuses and lots of reasons why we can't. But sometimes we can run out of those reasons and sometimes it's absolutely too late. We get one chance, one time. What is it that's stopping you? What is it that's stopping me? Jesus said this, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You know, I think of those little boys in Thailand that were stuck in that cave. It must have been a terrible, terrible thing. You know, and they, all they had was these little torches. And of course, they were running dim. You know, but imagine when they saw that rescue come in and lights coming down that cave, the joy that we've come over those children. We're being rescued. I'm telling you, there is joy when we know that Jesus has come to save us. He's come to rescue us. He's come to save us from our sin. He is our great rescuer, our great redeemer. There's nothing worse than being locked out in blackness, being locked out in darkness. In 2010, there was chilling in miners. There was a mine collapse And they were stuck in this cave for 69 days in absolute blackness, except for headlamps on their helmets. They needed light so bad that they had trucks down there and they turned on the truck light to simulate daytime. You see, we need light. We can't survive without light. And we can't survive eternity without Christ. Because he is our light and he is our salvation. You know, the greatest lie is this, that we're undeserving of the love of God. We're undeserving because of where we've been or what we've done. But God does not care about that. 
He just cares about you. He just loves you for who you are. And once you understand that, it becomes a permanent light bulb in your life. It's no longer just a light bulb moment. But we can have these on, off, on, off. Or we can allow his light to stay on in our lives. Do you know, some years ago, it was a long time ago actually, when I was in England, I was in this youth group and it's funny, I got a message um, a few weeks ago to say the youth, here you go Chris, the youth group that I was in were actually having a reunion in England, which is going to be amazing this year. And um, so I get this message, but there's a a girl that I used to look after in, in England, she was in my youth group and she had a lot of struggles and came from a house of abuse. And in her 40s, her husband died. And, and since that time, she has struggled in her life. And, uh, but you know what? She once used to champion the cause of homeless people on the streets of Manchester in England. She would go out deliberately, head up teams on going to Manchester and love on people on the streets. But when her husband died, she couldn't cope with life to the point she thinks God doesn't care about her. And she writes me all the time, especially when she's been hit in the bottle. She writes me. And she's been writing me for the last few weeks. And she said in one of her last writings to me, she says, her guilt leads to confusing thoughts of herself. She writes that all the bad stuff that goes on in her head appears to be truth when it's a lie. This girl once walked in the light but has allowed alcohol to become her friend. She writes and she says to me, does God get fed up of me? Does he get fed up of me? She says, I feel it's too cheeky to ask God for anything for herself because of the confusion in her mind. She says, when she speaks to God, I usually start by saying, Lord, this isn't for me. I'm not asking for me. I've come to ask for someone else. I've come to ask for other people because I know I am a mad woman. A sad. Why is that? Because she's allowed herself to walk away from the light. But Jesus is still her light. He's still her light. She just needs to know that he's waiting. He's still there because he never leaves you. He never, ever forsakes you. She can't understand why she does or says these things. And I write back to her and I encourage her and give her scripture. But you know what she needs? A permanent aha moment. I get it. See, it's one thing to send scripture. It's another thing to read scripture. It's another thing to get it. Because if you don't get it, 
it's just this. But when you get it, it's this. Because it becomes a love relationship with the saviour of the world. And we all need that so, so desperately. Don't believe the lie that you're undeserving of his love. Don't believe that crap. It's a lie from hell and it needs to stay there. The moment you believe that, you're going to fall over. But he is the light of the world. In Psalm 27 verse 1, it says, The Lord is the light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I'm just going to finish here this morning and ask the music team to come. I really hope that this word has spoken to you this morning. Maybe it's only just for one person here this morning. Maybe it's for a few. I don't know. But if any of you are like me, we all need the word of God to come and remind us that he's with us no matter what. Because we can't afford to be religious. We can't afford to just have a religious state of mind. We need a permanent revelation that he is there. And just like the Prime Minister got in this morning, it is light in the darkness. And we need to believe that God is going to move in our nation, that his light will shine. Those people that we're believing for, his light will shine. Saul was not too hard for God to get to. He was not too hard, a murderer, a horrible, horrible man. But God went after him. And if God can go after the souls of this world, he can go after anybody. And he can go after the nation because the Bible says the nations are nothing but a drop in the bucket. He speaks and he says, let there be light. And there was light. You know, we need to speak that stuff out over people's lives. Let the revelation truth of God's love open in people's hearts. Religion will trip people over, but the love of Jesus will only love them. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.